Five-hour energy is energy on the go. Well, what if you're not going anywhere for a while? Then five-hour energy is for getting stuff done while you're stuck at home, like doing an honest day's work for your boss. Getting rid of old clothes. Oh, my old bell-bottoms. Scouring the grout in your shower. Working out on that old stationary bike. And so much more. Go to the store or order online at shop5hourenergy.com. Five-hour energy. Energy for hunkering down. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Let's get a big thumbs up. Get ready to rock and roll today. Let's have some fun. 400 laps. I got you guys there. Have a great day. 10 4. We'll make it happen. We know what we got to do. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Kurt Busch across the strike. I was a little bummed out that Indianapolis got moved into the, the playoff cutoff race. It, it's such a marquee event that. It can stand alone on its by itself. Kyle Larson by five over. I think as you get to this point in the season, you know, even months before, you kind of the field is getting close to being set for the playoffs already. So there, you already have those guys that are in a little bit of a desperation mode. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Hercules Tires, right on our screen. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the MRN crew with you for another weekly get-together. And boy, oh boy, do we have lots to discuss, including bombshell news that broke today that Furniture Row Racing will cease operations at the end of this racing season. That means Martin Truex Jr. is looking for work, along with Cole Pern, and along with the rest of that race team that's based in Denver, Colorado. We'll have more on that coming up here in a moment. Also on today's show, we'll look back on this past Sunday's Bojangles Southern 500 with the NASCAR Live Backtracks. MRN.com senior writer Pete Pistone is going to stop by and analyze this weekend's action from Darlington and look us forward to the final race of the regular season for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Cole Custer will join us to preview this Saturday's race at Indy. Brad Keselowski's crew chief, Paul Wolf is going to give us the crew chief's perspective for Sunday's Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard. We'll take you back 25 years to a big day at Indianapolis. Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, and others will be by to preview this Sunday's race and a whole lot more. But for more on headline issues of the day, we bring in Kyle Ricky, host of NASCAR Today Midday with the latest. Kyle? Mike, a bombshell announcement today has gotten the attention of the NASCAR world as Furniture Row Racing will cease operation at the end of the season. The team is coming off a championship with driver Martin Truix Jr. last year, but after the loss of sponsor Five Hour Energy, team owner Barney Visser cites the lack of funds to field a competitive team and shutting it down at season's end. A statement from Visser reads in part, quote, this is not good for anybody. The numbers don't add up. I would have to borrow money to continue a competitive team and I'm not going to do that. This was obviously a painful decision to arrive at, knowing how it will affect a number of quality people, unquote. See the full statement now at MRN.com. And just one race remains before the 16-driver, 10-race playoff field for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series is set. And it appears that the three drivers of Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truix Jr. that have dominated the season thus far have some company. Only Harvick has won in the last four races among those three drivers, and Team Penske driver Brad Keselowski won last Sunday in Darlington. Joey Logano finished in the second spot, 
and is excited to see some new faces toward the front of the field. They should be scared. <laughs> We're coming for them. I don't know. Uh, they're still really strong teams, but you know, the fact that we can keep up and race them and, and pass them, that's, that felt good. That's been you know about a year since I passed one of those cars, so that, that feels really good the last couple races. <laughs> Didn't know I could do that anymore, it felt good. The series has just one race left before the playoff field is set. That race is at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this Sunday. Casey Kane, who is not yet in the playoffs this season, won that race a year ago driving for Hendrick Motorsports. Mike. Thanks, Kyle. Looking back to this past weekend's Bojangles Southern 500, one of the favorites to win was Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick. This week, NASCAR Live features his team with this week's Backtracks. All right, first stage and second stage, 100 laps each, 500 miles here. Take care of your tires here the first few laps, make them last. And uh, we'll see what happens with caution this first stage. It goes from there. 10-4. Have a good night, guys. Here's the field at the line. The green flag is in the air, and the Bojangles Southern 500 is underway. Ready. Bring them real slow, Kevin. Real slow. We'll check here. Green flag rolling, rolling, rolling. All rolling now. All rolling. Wow, how quickly things go awry here in Darlington Raceway. We talked all weekend about tire fall off, the coarseness of this racetrack, the difficulty in managing tires. Too tight everywhere. Therefore, that to be good for later. It's not bad, I just, that's the balance I have. I can't run high in three and four very well. Therefore. Right now, Kevin Harvick is running in the sixth position. 15 to go here. Get for me, Timmy. You know that Oscar Meyer soon. No pressure out back, 14 more. My Oscar Meyer had a treat that really something good to me. That was what you were thinking, right? I'm it. Stage one complete in the Bojangles Southern 500. That splitter sparks pretty good the first two or three laps. Just so you know, I think that's some of, I don't know, it may be some of the tight. You feel the first couple laps and it goes away, but it, it sparks getting into one, off of two, and then back into three. The tightest at the end of the road. Therefore, it should help then. Back at Darlington Raceway, Bojangles Southern 500 completing stage number two. Three more laps, we gotta go. More here, one more, Kevin, one more. Up to the green checker. Hey, that worked out terrible. Yeah, I'm sorry. We had no idea it was going to fall off that bad. It was like we got to a certain point and it just tanked. 42, he won by 12 seconds there. Yeah, with a 51 passing us, it's definitely, definitely the wrong, wrong deal there, but um, I don't know what we need to do. We, got, we lost rear grip there. Still won't turn. We're Kevin Harvick now has come to second. Harvick was the first to come on to pit road way back on 244, so that was 20 laps ago. I said pit this time. Couldn't hear you. I didn't hear nothing. We'll pit this time. That's four. Yeah. Now I hear you. Timmy, I'm on the main radio. I said pit this time two laps ago. Everybody down here heard me. I, I, I didn't, and he didn't. Trouble, turn number four, Ryan Newman's in the wall. Clint Boyer comes piling in. Jeffrey Earnhardt gets a piece of the action as well. Stay high, watch for you. Watch for you, in front of you, in front of you, in front of you. Back it down, back it down, back it down, back it down. Low, 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 low. Real low, real low, real low, real low. There you go. My pace car's got you. All right, we well, should be the lucky dog. And there's three on the late lap here. Brad Keselowski gets it done at the track too tough to tame. He tames Darlington. All right, that'll do it. Good job, man. Really good job on pit road tonight, guys. A lot of adversity this week. 
Appreciate that effort, and uh, everybody did a really good job. That's Kevin Harvick, spotter Tim Fidoa, and crew chief Rodney Childers on this week's NASCAR Live Backtracks. Coming up next, we'll talk with MRN.com senior writer Pete Pistoni, and later we'll look back to Indianapolis Motor Speedway 25 years ago. The Fix Finder tool from AutoZone is a source of relief because when your check engine goes, our Fix Finder goes. No matter what your problem is, our Fix Finder will help you troubleshoot it. For some, it's just a loose gas cap. For others, an O2 sensor. So you can kiss that yellow light goodbye and go, ah... It's the free fix finder from AutoZone. It's just one more way AutoZone helps you do more because doing more is what we do best. So visit any of our 5,500 AutoZone locations nationwide today. See store for details. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, who's the greatest of all time? For my money, it's Progressive's home and auto bundle. It literally saves you money. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Look, it's simple. I've said it before Boys and I'll say it again. Add up all the heroes, take away the zeros, and what you got? One big trophy of me saying, I told you so. I disagree. Thanks, fellas. Took the words right out of my mouth. There's really no debate. Progressive's Home and Auto Bundle is a winning combination. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. MRN.com senior writer Pete Pistoni will join us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. So glad you are with us here on this week's Get Together. Let's bring in senior writer for MRN.com, Pete Bastoni. Pete, welcome back. Always good to be with you, Mike. Looking forward to talking about a great weekend at Darlington and looking ahead to Indianapolis. It was a fantastic weekend over the weekend at Darlington Raceway. Throwback paint schemes, throwback weekend, Xfinity Series, Cup Series teams racing on NASCAR's oldest super speedway. In my opinion, that that was a winning recipe from day one since we rolled onto the property last weekend. It really was, you know, and I think that whole throwback weekend, what the track has done, what NASCAR has done with it, it hasn't eroded away the interest. I can tell you that we have all the paint schemes, and they're still at MRN.com if you want to take a look. A lot of people came and looked at those paint schemes, which we appreciate. But I think once we got, once we got beyond that and the history of the track and, and NASCAR, Mike, we got down to the racing. I think you just said it. The racing on Saturday in the Xfinity Series and the racing on Sunday at the Bojangles Southern 500 were very, was very good. We had two different stories. We had different circumstances. We had all those things that I think fans like in a race where you didn't really know the outcome of how these races were going to turn out until the very end. I think that was the case both Saturday and Sunday. Well, let's start with Saturday. Sport Clips, Haircuts, VFW 200, won by Brad Keselowski, his first ever win at Darlington Raceway. That win was aided by contact and a crash between drivers fighting for the lead in Ross Chastain and Kevin Harvick. That certainly has that certainly has got a lot of play amongst the conversational tones of the fan base now, hasn't it? Well, it has. You know, I guess uh, when you say Brad Keselowski wins the race, but as we say in the, the, the riding business, we're burying the lead there because <laughs> he did win the race. But really the story was what happened prior to, as you said, what transpired between Kevin Harvick and Ross Chastain racing for position with 35 laps to go. They made contact. Ross Chastain then made some additional contact with Kevin Harvick, and the fireworks went from there. And I think, you know, in, in the case of what we're hearing from, from the fans is that they, they want an opportunity like Ross Chastain had with Chip Ganassi Racing to come to fruition more often and have him be able to have a chance to win the race. And I think a lot of people just don't like cup drivers in the Xfinity Series. We know that. We've heard that loud and clear. But the flip side of that is, Kevin Harvick was racing for position there, and he has every right to be in that race by the rules that are out there right now. And I just thought it was two guys going hard for position, which is, I think, what all fans want. 
and unfortunately they got together and there was some some aftermath from there and we'll see how this goes uh, going forward but certainly that uh, ignited a lot of conversation and opened the door for Brad Keselowski to have an opportunity to win that race. Part of that aftermath involved uh, Ross hooking Kevin in the right rear, spinning him around, not putting him in the wall, but just turning him around on the backstretch. After that, Harvick's day was done. He went to the garage, and then Chastain was able to continue on with a lot of damage on the right side of his race car. What do you think aggravated Harvick the most, the initial move and the exchange of position for the lead or the aftermath with the contact getting hooked in the right rear? I, I think it's getting hooked in the right rear. I think Kevin has been around a long, long time. Obviously, he's a veteran guy, and I know that – he knows when you race somebody as hard as he did with Ross Chastain, you're, you're going to make contact there. Uh, whether or not there was a mistake on either end, I still chalk it up to racing, but I don't think Kevin appreciated Ross running him down, and it happened pretty quickly after they made that initial contact, making contact with Kevin's right rear, spinning him around. I think that's what triggered him going down pit road and stopping in the pit stall there to let his feelings known to Ross's pit crew and some of the comments he made to us on the MRN broadcast afterwards. Uh, I think, to me, that's what riled Kevin up a little bit more. Of course, Ross has two more opportunities in Chip Ganassi's number 42 DC Solar Chevy Camaro. He'll be racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and also at Richmond Raceway coming up here in two of the next three weeks. Let's move on to Sunday, the Bojangles Southern 500. That as well, won by Brad Keselowski. He swept the weekend in an iconic paint scheme made famous by Rusty Wallace back in 1990. Pete, I'll say that that's one of the cooler things I've heard and seen this past year is uh, Rusty not only uh, able to watch his car go to victory lane, able to chat with Brad in the post-race interview, Winston Kelly giving Brad the headset, and then obviously Rusty going down to victory lane and posing for pictures. That was a pretty special night for a pretty special guy, a NASCAR Hall of Famer, and a pretty special paint scheme as well. Well, it certainly struck a chord with me, and I'm sure it struck a chord with a lot of our listeners who remember when Rusty did drive that race car with that paint scheme. And I think that was a great way to connect the past of the sport, as they said, with the current drivers in, in the sport. And to see Roger Penske, uh, not see him physically, but see one of his cars go to victory lane there for the first time since 1975 at Darlington, that just added to the special night. But once again, like the situation on Saturday, Brad Keselowski took advantage of an opportunity that was presented himself. Kyle Larson dominated that race. He led 284 laps, but that last pit stop, that money stop, turned out to be the one that got Keselowski the lead and he went on from there to get that win. And, by the way, a 1-2 finish for Team Penske with Joey Logano finishing second. You know, a lot of folks have had some conversation about Kyle Larson not being able to close Sunday night's race. It goes into, you know, some other races that he's had a challenge in closing there at the very end. What do you make about his effort over the weekend? You mentioned that Brad Keselowski's pit team got Brad or pit crew got him out in front of Kyle, and that obviously helped propel him to the win. But overall, the performance from Kyle Larson, I thought it was pretty impressive just the way he dominated that race on Sunday. Well, I completely agree with you. So, I mean, if you want to be optimistic about this, you look at that performance and say, okay, it was a trouble. there was trouble on that last pit stop. We didn't get the win. We finished third. We had a lot of speed, and that's something that we haven't seen on a consistent basis, at least this year, with that 42 team with Chip Ganassi Racing. I think you're right about that, though, Mike, and I think a lot of folks are hanging that he can't close races reputation on Kyle Larson, and I think that's a little bit unfair because I think it's all circumstantial. It's not that he's overdriving or it's not that he hit the wall late or anything like that. That's happened, but there's been some other things, and I think that's a great example on Sunday night. His pit crew was off just a hair, and that was enough to give up the lead and not be able to win the race. But going forward into the playoffs, he's locked into the playoff grid, even though he hasn't won yet. 
I think what you saw on Sunday night would give you a little glimmer of hope that maybe that Chip Ganassi racing team can take a couple of steps forward, and maybe Kyle Larson will be in this championship picture. Of course, we talk about Kyle Larson leading the majority of the laps, Brad Keselowski winning, Joey Logano finished second. It was a good night for Team Penske, and I would say that's one of the best finishes uh, of any race weekend all year long in a season where they've been wanting more speed it seems like that situations gave them that one-two finish. I would say that's a little promising as they head into Indianapolis this weekend. Well, certainly. And, and you know, if you, write, if you race for Roger Penske and you're going to Indianapolis this weekend, has even more of a special feeling to it for that entire organization with everything that Roger's done there on the IndyCar side with 17 Borg Warner trophies after winning the Indy 500 that many times. He would love to see one of his cup cars in victory lane there on Saturday. And so I think you're right about that. You know, we talk a lot at this time of the year about peaking at the right time as the regular season comes to a close and the playoffs are on the horizon. I still think they can find a little more speed there with the Team Penske duo and maybe Ryan Blaney thrown into that conversation as well. But certainly winning like they did at Darlington got to give them a pep in the step going to Indianapolis this weekend. And with that being said, we segue to uh, Indianapolis, the final race of the regular season for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Pretty much, I believe, unless something strange happens, and then again, we saw that happen last year, we have the 16 that we're going to have racing for the championship. Um, do you think last year's finish with Casey Kane winning in that wild, rambunctious finish is an, an anomaly, or is it something that we need to keep in the back of our minds? I would keep it in the back of our minds. I, I, you know, I, I'm not expecting it, Mike, but, and, and again, I agree with you. I think the 16 drivers on the grid right now will be the 16 that go to Las Vegas the next week to kick off the playoffs, but there are enough drivers outside that grid right now where they know going to Indianapolis, there's no reason to hold anything back, and they just have to try to win to crash the party. And will a Daniel Suarez or someone like that do that? A Bubba Wallace. I mean, there's, there's a few guys out there. Jamie McMurray, who's got a reputation for winning big races. When you go to Indianapolis and you're one of those teams, there's no reason not to try something different strategy-wise, not to take some chances. And that's exactly what happened last year when we saw Casey Kane win the Brickyard 400. We've got, uh, we got your power rankings earlier today. What else is coming up here at MRN.com this week, getting us ready for our run to Indy? Well, we've got our trip down memory lane. I mean, we've been going to Indianapolis now with NASCAR since 1994. So our Jeff Wackerlin, our uh, editor-in-chief at MRN.com, has got a great photo gallery to take everybody through some of those memories that we had at Indianapolis. I'll have our weekend preview up later in the week and get into some of the details and some of the nuts and bolts of what to look for both Saturday and Sunday. Plus, again, if you play fantasy racing, our fantasy racing preview will be up on Thursday as well. Some of that statistical analysis that a lot of our fantasy players like to use when they put those lineups and those rosters together for the last race of the regular season. Again, MRN.com, your destination each and every day of each and every week to get you dialed in this week to uh, the race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Pete, appreciate the time. We'll look forward to seeing what you got for us this weekend on .com, and we'll catch up with you soon. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, everybody, for listening and for uh, dialing us in at MRN.com. Appreciate your time. Coming up on NASCAR Live, we'll look back 25 years ago at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And later, Brad Keselowski's crew chief, Paul Wolf joins us. In a sport driven by acceleration, we're shifting gears to do more to help preserve our environment, driving the sport towards greater reforestation efforts, speeding up our recycling programs, racing greener with Sunoco Green E15, a cleaner blended biofuel. Because if we all shift gears to help the environment, we can keep racing for so much longer. To learn more about how NASCAR is shifting towards a greener future, visit nascar.com slash green today. 
and fast in racing, and if you don't know where to look, you can miss it all. With Legend from Racing Electronics, you'll never miss another moment. Legend gives you live fan vision video, in-car cameras, and stats at NASCAR and other Premier Series events. And the next-generation race scanner for unfiltered driver and crew audio at any motorsports event nationwide. NASCAR fans have never been closer to the action. Welcome to the future of the fan experience. Learn more by visiting racingelectronics.com. We'll take you back 25 years to a big day at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Next, first, this is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. There will be a NASCAR Winston Cup stock car event here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, August 4th, 5th, 6th of August, 1994. The name of the event will be Brickyard 400, and it will be a 400-mile, 160-lap race. And needless to say, uh, from NASCAR's standpoint, and the drivers and corners and the sponsorship corporations that are involved with our NASCAR Winston Cup Series, we all look forward to coming to Indianapolis in 1994. We've gotten close and still are close at Raceway Park with our Bush Grand National Series, but this is a great milestone, I think, in, in the NASCAR Winston Cup and NASCAR history. We look forward to many years to come. Now, back to Mike Bagley. That was 25 years ago. The president of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Tony George, and president of NASCAR, Bill France Jr., in a press conference announcing that the Cup Series would race at Indy the following year. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live. Motor Racing Network is celebrating the 25th anniversary of the 1993 season. In mid-August, an open test date was held for the Cup cars at Indianapolis, and Kyle Petty decided to capture video of the moment. So we went up there to do the indie test, and I was on this kick of taking a video camera everywhere I went. I got all kinds of videos from stuff. So I was on this kick of taking a video camera everywhere I went, little handheld, um, nothing like they have today. But you had those little, you had those little uh, tapes that would go in about half as big as an iPhone, you know what I mean, little tape. So we decided that, or I decided, that we were going to mount it in the car when we went out to run one time. So we were going to mount it in the car. So we rigged up this mount with a spark plug box and some tape and some tie wraps. And we taped this thing to the roll bar right beside my head. And we adjusted it and went out and made a couple of test runs with it. So when we all go out, when it's Earnhardt and Davey, or Earnhardt and um, Ernie, everybody goes out. Ernie, everybody goes out. And so I'm back and forth, weaving back and forth. and pass a couple and they pass you because we were just we were, we were trying to figure out whether you could run too wide and what was going on and um good man it was good the only thing was that when you would get when you were run fast and you would get to the corners and you go into the corners because you had a tape the tape would come off the reel just a fraction so you would have go from full screen to three-quarter screen and it would tape it but the tape would just move, you know what I mean? And that, with the G-Force, would just was enough to throw that tape off the reel a little bit. So we filmed it, so I'm down in the, I'm in the garage area and showed it to Earnhardt, and we're, we're all talking about it, everybody's huddled around. So some guy from Indy comes over and he says, uh, we're gonna have to confiscate that tape. <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, that'll be a cold day. And he said, no, he said, we need your tape. And I said, you're not getting my tape. And he said, well, you're not allowed to tape here at Indy. And I said, well, what about all those people in the grandstands? And he said, well, that's their personal tape. And I said, and you think this is not my personal tape? 
And he said, well, how did you film it? And I said, I filmed it with that little handheld camera. This is my personal tape. And I ran it back and I said, here we are in the garage area. Here we are on the racetrack. Here we are back in the garage area. You know, and it's, it's my personal tape. So he went and got security and he came back and he said, we're gonna have to have that tape. And I said, again, it's gonna be a cold day. You're not getting this tape. So he's like, well, you're not going back out on the racetrack. So they wouldn't let me go out on the racetrack for like two hours because I wouldn't give him my tape. So finally, Tony came down, Tony George and a couple other guys. And they said, well, what are you gonna do with that tape? And I said, it's my tape. I said, I don't know why y'all can't get this through your head. This is me documenting, making, just documenting my time here at Indy for the first time with this group of drivers and with NASCAR. And I said, it's my tape. And he said, so you're not selling at the ESPN or anybody? And I said, no, it's my tape. And he said, well, let me, th- let me, let us think about this. So they walked over into another garage and they come back and he said, could we make a copy of it and could we use it to sell to ESPN or somebody like that? I said, I don't care what you do with it. I said, just bring me my original tape back. And I, I said, is it a deal? And Tony shook my hand. He said, it's a deal. I gave him my tape. They went and made a copy of it. That night, some of it was on Sports Center and some of that stuff because they had in-car and all that stuff. They gave me my tape back and I continued to tape for the rest of the rest of the time we were there. That's a true story. They wouldn't let me on the racetrack because I had violated the, their ordinance or whatever. That's Kyle Petty. You can hear that and other stories from that test session on our podcast series called the 1993 season 25 years later. You can download all 10 episodes on MRN.com or on iTunes. Coming up on NASCAR Live, we'll help you set your fantasy lineup for Indy and later Brad Keselowski, screw chief Paul Wolf will tell us how to set a race car up for racing at Indianapolis. Kyle Petty here. My friends at Click and Close, the official mortgage provider of NASCAR, have stepped up this year to support Victory Junction through the fastest lap of the race program on NASCAR radio. So join our team. Go to clickandclose.com slash NASCAR today to donate $43 or more and help us give the gift of camp to children with serious medical conditions. That's clickandclose.com slash NASCAR. And just look for the Victory Junction logo. Thanks to Click and Close and NASCAR radio for their support this season. The roar of motorcycles takes over Daytona International Speedway October 18th through the 21st with the return of Biketoberfest. Racing action features top riders from CCS and ASRA as they take on Daytona's challenging 3.51 mile road course. Enjoy free demo rides from top manufacturers, stroll through the area's largest motorcycle marketplace, and enjoy Saturday's Hot Leathers Fashion Show and Bikini Contest in Harley-Davidson Thunder Alley. Marketplace admission, demo rides, and parking are free. For race tickets, call 1-800-PIT-SHOP or visit DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. Kim Kuhn has a social media minute next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Coming up in a moment, we'll get a fantasy update. But first, Kim Kuhn is here with this week's Social Media Minute. Kim, what do you have? Well, Mike, we are coming back from Darlington Raceway. It was obviously hashtag NASCAR throwback weekend. And the Lady in Black did a cool competition to see which paint scheme fans loved most and the winner although there were a lot of great ones was William Byron and Team Hendrick they had that iconic rainbow warrior paint scheme on their Chevrolet a nod to 
four-time Cup Series champion Jeff Gordon. And I got to tell you, as a kid of the 90s, that was my favorite paint scheme too. But a lot of great ones out there. We saw Clint Boyer paying tribute to the 1965 paint scheme that Jared ran when he won the Southern 500. We saw a great paint scheme from Austin Dillon paying nod to Dale Earnhardt's Quicksilver scheme. But again, it was William Byron taking home the fan favorite votes. This week, we're headed to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We're going to wrap up, of course, the regular season before we kick off the playoffs in Las Vegas. And what I'll be looking for this weekend is a lot of pagoda pictures. That is right. Roush Fenway Racing on Twitter has already started the game. They tweeted, who else can't wait to see the famous pagoda at IMS this weekend? So your timeline, get ready, Mike, is going to be filled with pagoda pictures as well as pictures of the bricks at the brickyard if you want to follow us though you can do that at mrn radio and of course tweet us using hashtag ask mrn and if you're out at indy this weekend tweet us a picture of the pagoda or the bricks using that hashtag thank you kimmy we are down to one race to go in the regular season that happens this sunday at indianapolis motor speedway and picking your fantasy race team is going to be tough as we head down to the final stretch but fortunately for you the host of the Inside Line Fantasy Racing Show, Tyler Burnett, is here to help you with those decisions. Tyler? Thanks, Mike. It's the last week of the regular season for NASCAR Fantasy Live, which means you should be down to one start left on most of the top competitors in the Cup Series garage. If you didn't save at least one start for Kyle Busch this week, you might regret it. The youngest of the two Bush brothers was on the verge of making it four straight finishes of second or better last year until crashing with Martin Truex Jr. on lap 110. He led 87 laps a year ago, 149 the year before during his 2016 Brickyard 400 win. And in 2015, he also won the Brickyard 400. He led 19 laps. Kyle Busch is a potential dominator in all formats this weekend heading to the Brickyard. Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano have proved to be among the most consistent at the Brickyard of late, with Kevin scoring four straight top tens heading into Sunday and Joey Logano five. I think they have the potential to do it again this week and should get a lot of looks on your fantasy team, especially if they show speed in practice. Matt Kenseth has similar numbers to Logano, five straight top tens. You gotta remember though, that was in really good equipment. Kenseth has struggled this year in his return to Roush Fenway Racing. He may be a DraftKings play if he doesn't qualify well, but I don't think I'm going to give him a look in NASCAR Fantasy Live. Brad Keselowski, the Darlington Southern 500 winner, was second in this race last year at the Brickyard, and I know Roger Penske craves a Cup Series win at Indy. Keselowski could be a viable option if they show speed early on in the weekend. If you have allocation left, I wouldn't hesitate to start the big three in your NASCAR Fantasy Live format. Both Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick are former winners of the Brickyard, and Martin Truex Jr. was very fast last year before again wrecking with Kyle Busch. If you like information like this and would like to get more of the same every week, tune into our NASCAR Fantasy Show, The Inside Line, every Friday on MRN.com. Mike? Thank you, Tyler. Coming up on NASCAR Live, Brad Keselowski's crew chief, Paul Wolf will set up a car for us for racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Grunt style. The American fighting spirit is in everything we make. We are 500 patriots and veterans strong, bringing clothing manufacturing back to the United States of America. Always moving forward, never retreating, never giving up. 
We are Grunt Style, and this we'll defend. Get yours at GruntStyle.com. After more than 1 million hours of development, the truck of the future has arrived. The new Cascadia from Freightliner, inspired by science, driven by passion. It's loaded with driver-focused improvements, such as noise abatement technologies for an even quieter ride, an innovative wraparound dashboard for improved comfort, and a reimagined driver's lounge that promotes productivity and relaxation. Experience the new Cascadia at your dealer or online at Freightliner.com. MRN's Alex Hayden will join us next to break down the big news of the day concerning the defending champion of the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. News came down earlier today that the defending champions of the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Championship will cease operations in 2019. Martin Truex Jr., Cole Pern, and the rest of Furniture Row Racing will have their last race at Homestead Miami Speedway in this November. And to chat about it is MRN's Alex Hayden. Alex, welcome to NASCAR Live. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, what, uh, what a bombshell announcement earlier today uh, that, that Furniture Row Racing is going to be ceasing operations. I, I, I think this is going to be huge on many fronts. Uh, let alone just the, the pure business side of things on the sport. What does it say when the defending champion is going to leave the sport? It's, it's just almost unprocessable because that's something that's really never happened um, in this sport. Of course, you know, they're still in the championship run. They're still in the fight to, to win the title. But I think this punctuates the business discussion and the business side of the sport. And no doubt, it's going to send off ripple effects throughout the entire series and throughout the entire sport. It really will, and and I think uh, there's been some grumblings over the last few weeks leading up to, to this announcement today that this may be coming. So it, while it's a shock to some, and it's, it's certainly got a shock value to it, even though some of us may have heard about it prior to this announcement, it, it's still, when, when, when it's made official, there's still a shock value that, that goes along with that. But to, to stop and think about what's going to happen with all of the, the employees at Furniture Row Racing. Now, they're going to have to find race teams, or if they choose to stay in the sport, they're going to have to find a place to go. The beautiful thing about it is is they have a heck of a resume with a, a being a championship team and being part of a championship team. But where's Martin Truex Jr. going to go race next year as a driver? Where's Cole Pern going to be a crew chief? Are they going to stay together? There are so many unanswered questions that, that, quite frankly, I'm ready to start learning some answers. Well, and and that's, to your point, going to be one of the things that we'll be following because, well, we've got the first domino to fall, and that's, and that's Furniture Row Racing shutting down. The next is, where will Martin Truex Jr. race in 2019? We've heard through the scuttlebutt in the garage that he's got a couple of options available to him. But, however, Alex, if he moves to a team, that means somebody's got to move on as well. So it sounds like that the dominoes are starting to fall after Labor Day. Normally, we get this kind of news midway through a racing season. Yeah, and you know, Mike, there, there's been uh, there's talk that goes on throughout the garage area from different team members, and and one scenario that I've heard, and again, this is strictly hearsay, is uh, obviously Casey Kane's not back at Levine Family Racing. He's decided to to end his full time driving career. So does Levine Family Racing switch over and become? that satellite Toyota team for Joe Gibbs Racing that Furniture Row Racing had been 
for the last handful of seasons. If so, there's a potential home there. There's there's some scuttlebutt that if that happens or if they find another team to become a satellite team, perhaps Daniel Suarez will go to that car and, and Martin Truex Jr. stays in the Toyota family and goes over to the 19 car at Joe Gibbs Racing. There's a lot that's going on. And, and again, I strictly uh, make sure everybody understands that's all hearsay in the garage area over the last few weeks. But there, there is a, a certainly a domino trail, and, and you pointed it out. This was the first domino to fall. I think the rest are getting ready to fall and fall rather quickly. And as news continues to break, MRN.com is your destination. We will keep you uh, up to date on all the happenings, and there's going to be a lot of them, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series garage. Alex, appreciate your analysis and your commentary. We appreciate you joining us here on NASCAR Live. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. We continue along on this week's edition of NASCAR Live. Over the weekend, Woody King was venturing through the garage thinking about racing at Indianapolis this coming weekend, and he had a chance to visit with Paul Wolf, Brad Keselowski's Bojangles Southern 500 winning crew chief. Question is, how do you set a car up to race at Indy, and how does one go fast at Indy? Woody, again, with Paul Wolf. Well, Paul, let's talk a little bit about Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You guys certainly know how to be fast there. You finished second a year ago. What are the challenges from a crew chief's perspective that track presents compared to others? Well, the one thing it's so unique about is it's there's nothing else on the circuit that we race at that's like that. we got long straightaways with high speed but flat, very flat corners. So there's a lot of challenges. We we tend to use more brake there than you would at a typical high-speed intermediate. So having the right brake package and balancing all that out with, you know, giving up aero for cooling to keep your brakes where you need them is, is always a, a trade-off there. And then just uh, being able to carry speed on those flat corners is, is always a challenge. So it's almost like a you use some of the things that philosophies that you use on a short track mixed with you know what we do on intermediates and the high speed track so it, uh, it's definitely a tough one you mentioned brakes and back in the day like you said at short tracks that was always a big challenge because you'd see them glowing cherry red and all that is the technology evolved so much now that it's not as much of a concern as it used to be yeah from a from straight up reliability that, that's not an issue it's just more about you know as as a a race team you're trying to maximize everything so finding that balance between not putting too much brake or too much cooling versus the speed so there's always options um reliability is not an issue it's just when you start pushing a limit and try to get every last little bit you put yourself in a box where you potentially could see an issue but the technology is great there's plenty of options um it's just choosing that right option Strategy-wise, what kinds of things does a track like that lend itself to? We're talking at Darlington, and that one chews up a lot of tires, a lot of like a cheese grater, some people say. What about Indy? Yeah, quite a bit different because, like you said, here at Darlington, uh, it's kind of a, a no-brainer as you're going to take tires every time you see a caution. Indy's a little different. We tend to see track position be, be very tough there, so guys aren't willing to pit for tires because they don't get as much speed gain out of it as what you do by just having the clean air. Sometimes that turns into fuel mileage races, and I think you'll see different scenarios play out, and especially nowadays with the stage racing, opens up a lot of opportunities for, for some different stuff there. A lot of the drivers say Indianapolis is kind of a one-groove racetrack. When that's the case, because that's not the only place that's like that, what kinds of things can you do to help your driver? 
have a good clean day on pit road and try to gain <laughs> positions on pit road. So uh, pit road is very important there, uh, as it is a lot of places. But uh, it's very tough uh, when you get to the one groove racetracks. Really, it's it's making sure your strategy is right, like I said, and and um, having a good clean day on pit road and not giving up spots. And if anything, you hope to gain some and, and having good restarts uh, is key there as well, because that's where you're going to make your positions. That's Woody Kane and Paul Wolf talking about racing at the Brickyard. Coming up, we'll visit with Cole Custer, runner-up finish in Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Darlington. And later on, we'll take a step back in the old NASCAR time machine. Bring the whole family out to Talladega Super Speedway for the Kids VIP Experience. Kids 12 and under can choose from a number of great options behind the scenes, like guided garage tours, pre-race photo ops, and more. This is more than a race. This is Talladega. I'm not blooming good. I'm blooming great. Put a shrimp on the barbie and sizzle my steak. Woo! I want that onion to bloom. And it get in my sense like a sonic boom. No rules, just right. So cold, so nice. Need to find your local MRN radio station? Taking a trip and want to listen to NASCAR races? Go to MRN.com. Click on stations to find all MRN's local radio stations. Plan a trip and map out MRN stations along your route. MRN on your local stations. Tune in. NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Cole Custer is next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live. Over the weekend, the NASCAR Xfinity Series raced in Darlington. It was the Sport Clips Haircuts VFW 200. While Brad Keselowski walked away with the win, another driver that had a great run over the weekend is a driver that sported probably one of the more cooler throwback paint schemes of the entire weekend. We're talking about Cole Custer, who had a chance to Spent time close to the front of the field, and he brought her home in the second position. He joins us now on NASCAR Live. Cole, welcome back to the show. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for having me on. Second place Saturday at Darlington. Looked like you were hanging up front virtually all day. The car looked to be good. What about your drive? How was the drive for you on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a tough race for us. We had to kind of work on the car throughout the race. We weren't At the start of the race, we weren't exactly where we wanted to be. We were a little bit too loose, so... As we tightened the car up, it really came to life. So, at the end, we could kind of stay with Brad, but just needed that little bit more to, to get to him. So, but, you know, we'll take a second place and, you know, move on to the next one, try and get one in. Very hot day on Saturday. Was the slipping and sliding at Darlington um, more than usual? Uh, it's hard to compare because it's always, you're always slipping and sliding so much there. Uh, that's what makes it fun. But uh, it was definitely hot out and had to make sure you're hydrated and everything. But, it was, uh, it was a fun race because you got to move around as much as you wanted to and tires fall off. So it was uh, definitely a lot of slipping and sliding. Where was your car the best at Darlington over the weekend? Uh, we were a short-run car. It seemed like as the run went, we would always just get looser and looser. So we pretty much had to make what, what we could happen in the, last, in the first five or ten laps because we'd kind of fall off a little bit. But I think uh, that was pretty much a strong suit of our car. We mentioned the throwback paint scheme. Uh, you had a throwback to A.J. Foyt on the car. For those that missed it, can you describe it? And and how did you guys land on that paint scheme? Yeah, I mean, it's a really cool car just because it, it's really unique because it has uh, actual eyes in the double zero. So 
it was uh, really cool to get to run that for AJ because, you know, I get to honor a real legend in our sport. And, you know, we kind of just kind of came across it, you know, just kind of like looking up different, you know, paint schemes like double zero race cars and NASCAR. And that one came up and I was like, man, that's, that's pretty cool with the eyes and double zeros and everything. So and it, it turned out it was a perfect fit. So, you know, it was definitely an awesome run that car. You know, I, I was thinking back about that. That car, by the way, dates back to 1965 when AJ drove it. You're driving a throwback paint scheme honoring AJ Foyt. You're also driving for a man who was named after him and who looks up to him. Boy, no, uh, no pressure there at all, was it? <laughs> yeah, I was definitely trying to make sure I did the best I could. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was fun though. I think uh, we definitely gave him the run that that he wanted, and you know, we just wish we got that last spot for him. But you know, you can't get it always. Well, second place is nothing to uh, nothing to uh, wrinkle up an eye about. It was a good run for you on Saturday, and you carry that in to Indianapolis this Saturday at the Brickyard. What does racing at Indianapolis Motor Speedway mean to you? Uh, it's pretty special. I mean, obviously, it's one of the most legendary tracks that we go to, you know, with so much history and everything. So, you know, to win there would be extremely special. It doesn't matter what kind of, kind of car you're in. Uh, so I think we can go there and have a good run. I think that will be really special for us. It's obviously different aero package for us this weekend so it's hard to know what to expect but seems like we've had some speed with this high downforce package and hopefully we have some this weekend this is the originating part of or the originating point i should say of this aero package from from one year ago how does the car feel differently than it would otherwise if you weren't running it what does this aerodynamic package do to the car and what what do you look forward to experiencing on saturday with it uh, the biggest thing is that it just slows us down. So, I mean, obviously you're drafting more and trying, you're, you're in the gas a lot more, not using any brakes. So you're trying to work the draft and do whatever you can there. But Indy's kind of a, a unique place to run it because the tires actually fall off and it's such a narrow racetrack. So actually at the end of a run, once the tires fall off and everything, uh, you actually start, have to get a, start getting out of the gas a little bit. So it makes it a little bit interesting because you have a little bit of pack racing, but you also have some handling in it too. So, it's uh, it's definitely unique that way, and you know I'm looking forward to it. What does it feel like when the car when when you pull up behind somebody? Do you get that drafting sensation like you do at some other racetracks? Oh, uh, you definitely do. That they've uh, added the the ducts in the front of the car also that actually make the car in front of you. I think it's supposed to push them away a little bit. So it's it's kind of tough figuring out those things just because it's it's like a super speedway, but there's some things that make it different where you kind of got to figure it out. So pretty much throughout the whole weekend, you're testing how your car will suck up and what you can do in the draft. Well, it's been a great 2017 or 2018, I should say so far for Cole Custer and the bunch over there at Stewart Haas racing in the NASCAR Xfinity series. Cole, we appreciate the time. Congrats on the great run at Darlington. And we'll look forward to see what you got for him here in the weeks to come. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. That is Cole Custer, second place finish in Saturday's Sport Clips Haircuts VFW 200 at Darlington. More coming up here on NASCAR Live. The Fix Finder tool from AutoZone is a source of relief because when your check engine goes, our Fix Finder goes. No matter what your problem is, our Fix Finder will help you troubleshoot it. For some, it's just a loose gas cap. For others, an O2 sensor. So you can kiss that yellow light goodbye and go. Ah. It's the free fix finder from AutoZone. It's just one more way AutoZone helps you do more because doing more is what we do best. So visit any of our 5,500 AutoZone locations nationwide today. See store for details. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, game changers. Makes me think of Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Finally, a simple, efficient way to quote home insurance. Let's go to Colin, who will now try to say something. Okay, first of all, are you kidding? Never in my life. 
Okay, when you see stuff like this, look, I'm not the only one who thinks this, although everybody says I am. Well said, Colin. Oh, well said. Get right to the point with HomeQuote Explorer. It's a game changer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thanks for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live. Coming up, we'll preview this weekend's race at the Brickyard, but first... Let's go back in time for this week in NASCAR history. This week, we began in 1978. It was a time where Frankie Valley was number one with Grease. In every teenage boy's bedroom hung a poster of Farrah Fawcett in a red bathing suit. And at Darlington, Cale Yarborough was driving his number 11 Junior Johnson Oldsmobile to victory in the iconic Southern 500. Well, the Timmonsville Terra, no doubt, smiling broadly right now, cracks the throttle. He comes through that turn two ever so gently, stays well down away from the wall. The fast closing Darrell Waldrop now up in turn two, but about two-thirds of the length of this back straightaway separates them. And Cale Yarbrough riding toward an apparent victory. Cale Yarbrough coming into the fourth turn now, the white flag being shown to the rest of the field. He's coming off the fourth turn. Just a short distance to go, and Cale Yarborough makes it number four at Darlington, winning the Southern 500 by three seconds. Jumping forward 10 years to 1998, Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine is the hot song on radio. On network television, the game show Pyramid, hosted by Dick Clark, ended its 16-year run. And again, NASCAR was racing in Darlington. Rusty Wallace and Bill Elliott battled tooth and nail for the final laps. In the end, it was Bill Elliott taking the checkers in the Southern 500. Bill Elliott charges down the back stretch. He's looking for a checkered flag. He's got about four car lengths now in Rusty Wallace. Rusty able to close it up one more time in turn three. He's trying so hard, some slower traffic now in the way. Rusty goes way high. Bill Elliott keeps him at bay by a car length and a half through race traffic to the stripe. The checkered flag is out. Bill Elliott wins the Southern 500 at Darlington. And we end this week in 1994. John Mellencamp is on the radio with Wild Knight. At the box office, Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis are number one with Natural Born Killers. And NASCAR was racing again at the track too tough to tame. Bill Elliott took the lead from Dale Earnhardt with 13 laps to go to win the Mountain Dew Southern 500. It would be the final win for Junior Johnson as a car owner. Elliott halfway down the back straightaway, half a lap from victory lane now as the fans wave and cheer. He enters turn number three, running about 10, 15 car lengths behind Terry Labonte, the lap car. Elliott works his way cleanly off of turn number four. It's been 52 races since November of 1992. It's been a long dry spell, but Bill Elliott is back in a NASCAR Winston Cup victory lane. And man, the emotions just bubbling over in that Budweiser pit area for Mike Beam and the crew. And those are just some of the events of this week in NASCAR history. This weekend, we're off to Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard for a preview. Here's our Susie Armstrong. Thank you, Mike. The curtain falls on the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series regular season this week as the teams make the trek to Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard. Seeking his fifth Indy Top 5, Denny Hamlin notes the degree of difficulty gaining positions around the 2.5-mile oval. The restarts might be crazy, but, you know, essentially uh, you, you can only battle it out if you can get to the person in front of you, and that's the challenge of that racetrack. You can only battle it out if, if you're right there with them. Kyle Larson crashed out in the late stages of last year's 400-mile contest and points to the potential perils of frantic attempts 
to make it into the postseason. The field is getting close to being set for the playoffs already, so there are, you already have those guys that are in a little bit of a desperation mode. But um, with Indy being the last shot, you know they might, you know, try and get lucky with, with pitch strategy and stuff. But but that track, you're still gonna have your your fastest cars up front. So I wouldn't expect anything too crazy. Locked into the playoffs, Kurt Busch hopes to add to his single brickyard top five, but remains cautious, recalling the kind of late race chaos that can lead to disaster. Lots of things can happen. We saw a crazy race a couple years back with so many restarts at the end and uh, people staying out on old tires, people coming in on fresh tires, and Indy's a tough place to pass. But at the end, everybody's in you know, aggressive mode, moving people, shoving people out of the way. So you just don't know how many yellows are going to be at the end or if it's going to be a long green run. So Indy is definitely a tough challenge. The green flies over the big machine vodka 400 at the Brickyard this Sunday at Indianapolis Motor Speedway just after 2 p.m. Eastern. For this week's NASCAR Live Race Preview, I'm Susie Armstrong. Thank you, Susie. Lots of folks looking forward to getting back to Indianapolis this weekend. And, of course, we'll talk about it next week right here. Time is up for this week, folks. Our thanks to Cole Custer for stopping by. Also to Paul Wolf, Kyle Petty, Pete Pistoni, and Alex Hayden. And for the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week right here on NASCAR Live. So long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida. And was brought to you by Hercules Tires. Right on our strength. Today's broadcast was produced by Rich Colbert. Remember to visit MRN.com to get all of the latest NASCAR news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Five-hour energy is energy on the go. Well, what if you're not going anywhere for a while? Then five-hour energy is for getting stuff done while you're stuck at home, like doing an honest day's work for your boss. Getting rid of old clothes. Oh, my old bell bottoms. Scouring the grout in your shower. Working out on that old stationary bike. And so much more. Go to the store or order online at shop5hourenergy.com. Five-hour energy. Energy for hunkering down.